We ask that your word, O Lord, would speak to our hearts this morning. Let the words of this unworthy man be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. We preached last Sunday about a good father. The good things about a father. He provides, he protects, he promotes, he does great things for his family. How many of you know that God's children make up his family? God is a family person. He is a community person. Everything that God does, he does in community. When he made man, he said, let us, plural, let us make man in our own image. And in the image and likeness of God made he him. There are many similarities and metaphorical figures that are used in Scripture to talk about this mothering and fathering of God. God is neither male nor female. In fact, God is not substance that you can handle nor see. God is a spirit, the Bible says. Amen. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen. We've talked about how God leads us, guides us, directs us, provides for us, Talked about the Holy Spirit that indwells us, that is our victory, that helps us live this life as a praise and an honor to the Lord. How many of us want our lives to be a praise to God? Amen. The Bible even tells us that that the fiery trial that tries our faith might be found as unto a praise unto the Lord. So the things we go through and the things we survive... The things we endure actually is a praise unto God. How about that? It's a a victory of sorts. They sang about victory just now, that the spirit that dwells within me is the victory. I'm reminded of a story that I heard of a Vietnam veteran that was a prisoner of war. He wasn't far outside the city of uh, Hanoi. He was in a prison camp there in the jungles, was treated very badly, very mean. In fact, food, they they lived in cages. And he said that the soldiers, the Vietnamese soldiers, would come and would throw food into them. They had to eat their food from off the ground. They were beaten. They had awful atrocities and heinous things that they had to endure as prisoners of war. But he said at night, said all of the soldiers that kept the prison camp would go into Hanoi or into Ho Chi Minh City and they would go to the bars and the night spots and all the revelry. And he said, that was our best time when we could uh, be at peace. And he said, we would start telling stories. And said, we would tell stories about Christmas with our families and about a bicycle when we were kids and playing football in high school and all the things about their life back at home that they could reminisce. But he said, there was always one person. He was a Pentecostal preacher that was... Uh, in the camp as a prisoner and said uh, when it got to a certain point he would always begin singing oh victory in Jesus my savior forever sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood they wouldn't tell what each other's name was for fear of the retribution from the guards and that they would torture them and those kind of things. So they developed little nicknames for him. The guy that uh, did the chorus leading, they just called him CL. 
and this guy that would always break out with victory in Jesus, they just called him Victory and just named him Victory. After they were released and found their way back to society in America, everyone wondered whatever happened to that Pentecostal preacher. And uh, one took it upon himself in Chicago to find out where Victory was. We just weren't able to locate him. And in his, in his searches, someone said, how would we know him if we were to meet him? And he said, Victory always has a song. Victory always has a song. I want to tell you that no matter what your plight or what you're going through, what kind of chaotic situation you're in, victory has a song. Don't you ever lose your song. Don't ever let the devil steal your song. Don't let the enemy cause you to become so depressed and so disconsolate that you would lose your song. God wants you to maintain your song and ever sing your song. When the children of Israel were brought over to the Babylon, and the Bible said they hung their harps on a willow tree. When the Babylonians said, sing for us one of the songs of Zion. Sing for us one of your worship songs. And their reply was, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I want to tell you, God wants you to keep your song. God is a, a, a parent who watches over us that during those times of perplexity, he doesn't leave us. During those times of difficulty and hardship, he doesn't hide himself from us. He's ever present with us, always by our side. In fact, he told the children of Israel, I know your sorrow. I've seen your affliction. I know all about it. I've heard your cry for help from your God. He always hears the cries of his people, and he's always near to people who are of a broken heart. Deuteronomy chapter 32 the writer Moses compares what God does for his people to a, an eagle. Verse 9, he says, For the Lord's portion is his people. God's portion is his people. Wow. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about and he instructed him and he kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with them. So Moses chose to liken the Lord's watch, care, and nourishment, and keeping power to that of an eagle. Did you know an, an eagle who guards her nest, she builds her nest. And I want to tell you, it's a huge nest. If those of you have ever seen eagles' nests, they are huge, huge nests. And she builds her nest and her eggs are, are laid there. And the, and the father will fly off and he'll find food and bring it back to the mother eagle who watches over and cares for those eggs. She knows that in every one of those eggs, there is life. There is potential. There may be nothing visible now. There may not be any, anything uh, active going on now, but she knows that if she will be diligent and if she will use the warmth in her body to bring life to those eggs, that there will come a time when that eaglet will break out of that shell. Now, I need to tell you that that's the same way God does with us. 
He knows that someday we're going to become what he intended us to be. Someday we're going to go to that next dimension. Someday God's got something so much better for every one of us. Here's something very important. There comes in the life of that eaglet a time when the shell becomes thinner and there appears a little precipice in that that shell. And it would be very easy for the mother eagle to chip away and peck away at the shell until it disappears and the eaglet would be free. But she refuses to do that. She will never assist an eaglet to break free of the eggshell. Never. She knows that he needs the strength himself. He needs the experience himself. If he's going to survive, If he's going to be what he was destined to be, if he's going to be what he was made to be, he's got to learn the lesson and peck that precipice until it becomes open and he can find his way out of it. You see, there are some things that you go through that God could easily just wave his hand and it just all go away. But he prefers for you to be diligent. He prefers for you to have that determination that yearn to be free, that you would find that precipice and you would find that crack in the shell where you could dig free and peck your way out of that situation. God wants you to do that because you'll be better because of it. Well, can you give God some praise this morning? So then a lot of things that you're wrestling with right now, it's not that God doesn't love you and doesn't care for you. He wants you to grow through the process. He wants you to learn lessons through the process. He wants you to become stronger during the process. And there are lessons that can only be learned in the school of adversity. There are things that you'll never ever learn or develop until you go through the experience. And God has willed and purposed that you be strong in the Lord. But to be strong in the Lord, you've got to be exercised unto righteousness. You've got to go through some things. There are some things that are meant for us to go through. And though Mother Eagle could easily make that eaglet free, she chooses to let him do it on his own. Sometimes God says to you, I'm with you. I'm right here. My grace is sufficient for... You don't know that scripture? My grace is sufficient for you. You're the one that's got to do this. I'm going to give you the grace, but you've got to do it. You see, so many people would love to serve God in such a way as if he just waves his hand and troubles just go away. But sometimes God just wants you to be strong enough and faithful enough and strong in faith and strong in courage and boldness to stand up to the situation and say, I can do All things through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes he wants you to break free from the mess that you're in. Sometimes he wants you to stretch and he wants you to find the avenues of uh, liberty and liberation and deliverance. That's his plan. And his plan is to put you upon that anvil of adversity and forge out a better you. A better you. That's what Joel calls it, isn't it? A better you. Well, of course, he doesn't agree with me on the way you get there. Amen. I just believe you get there through adversity 
And you get there through much experience of trusting God. I believe that's how you get there. I don't believe it's just a present that's dropped out of the sky somewhere. I believe it's an experience that you yourself have control over with, with God's help. You can, you can make that. Now, the Bible tells us that, that God cares for us. His ear is cut to our cry. His arm is outstretched in our direction. And it, the Bible just leads us in so many places that God brings us through difficult situations and circumstances in order to achieve certain goals and objectives on our journey. He brought Israel down to Egypt. Pastor, you said God brought them down to Egypt. Yeah, isn't that exactly what he says here? He caused them to wander and he caused them to, to uh, be a, a people that needed instruction and he kept him as the apple of his eye. How could God let people go down into Egypt's bondage and still be the apple of his eye and still be his portion and still be his inheritance? God allowed that to happen and brought that about so that his inheritance and his portion and the apple of his eye could be blessed and made stronger and strengthened because he knew what they had to go through. He knew that going to Canaan was going to be a big deal. He knew there would be battles to fight. He knew there would be kings that would hate them. He knew there would be awful atrocities in the land of Canaan. And they couldn't possess what he determined for them to possess until they were, thank you God, until they were forged on that anvil of Egyptian captivity and bondage. God brought them to Egypt. Amen. The only problem was they stayed too long. God never intended for them to stay as long as they stayed. But they stayed because they got adjusted. You see, whatever you've adjusted to, that's where you're probably going to stay. Things you've got adjusted to is what you're comfortable with now. And so getting you to leave some place where you've made the adjustments and you're comfortable now. You don't like it. It was never intended by God for you to be there. But you adjusted. Come on somebody. And you got comfortable there. And now God's trying to budge you and move you. And kick you a little bit. And get you going. And you're mad at God. Because he's wanting you to move out of your comfort zone. It's a place God doesn't want you. It's a place God didn't intend for you to be. But you adjusted to it. Come on, somebody. You adjusted to all the abuse. You adjusted to all the verbal slander and innuendo. You, you, you adjusted to the way, that's just the way things are. I, I, I know, but if you knew what I was, I'm so much better than I was. Quit making those silly excuses. The problem is you just got adjusted to the mess. And you've got comfortable with the mess you're in. And you don't trust God to get you out of the mess. Amen, amen Pastor. Amen. If you won't amen me, I'll amen myself. God brought Israel down to Egypt. What did he do that for? Number one, he needed to feed them. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, there was a famine. 
there was a famine. Isaac realized, hey, there's a famine on here. And God looked into the future and sent Joseph. Just like he's looked into your future and sent Jesus. Ah, you don't want to hear me preach this morning. Isaac looked into the future and saw we're going to need a savior. We're going to need a provider. We're going to need somebody to make a way for our people. Glory to God. And so Joseph made it down into Egypt. A savior, a type of the Lord Jesus, a deliverer. Praise the Lord God. Have have mercy. Isn't that wonderful? And because of every one of us, God has sent Jesus into the future of all of our lives. God has sent Jesus for the battle I'm going to face next week. God has sent Jesus for the need I'm going to have next month. God has sent Jesus, hallelujah, to cure the disease I'm going to deal with uh, next eight years or ten years. He's in my future. In fact, all of my days are in his hands. My past, my present, and my future are in his hands. He holds me in the palm of his hand. And as long as I, glory to God, stay in the palm of his hand, no evil shall come nigh my dwelling. No weapon formed against me will prosper because Jesus is my Savior and my Deliverer and my Provider. He realized my people are going to die if we stay here. I've got to send them somewhere. And God brought them to Egypt, number one, to feed them. Number two, he brought them to Egypt to nourish them. Number three, he brought them to Egypt in order to grow them. Because God saw in a family the potential to become a nation. God saw in the family of Abraham the potential to become a mighty nation. He said you're a peculiar people and a holy nation. In order for them to be a holy nation, that family had to grow. So while they were in Egyptians' bondage, they grew. They grew to about four million. They grew in such numbers that the Egyptians feared them. Wow. Sometimes when you're going through difficulty and hardship, that's the time that you're growing your greatest. Oh, Lord, Pastor, you can't believe. Surely you're not preaching that when I'm going through hardship and difficulty that I'm growing are, are you telling me that when, when I'm weak, I'm made strong? Are you telling me that when I, when I feel down, I'm really up? Are you telling me that when I feel defeated, I've really got the victory? Are you telling me that when I feel down and depressed, I've really got joy? Are you telling me that what I view as, as bad and, and, and awful, that God says, you're growing? You're growing. Hey, God will put you in a position where you'll grow in adversity. He'll put you in a position where you'll get stronger and more mature and nourished in times of difficulty. No wonder Paul said, for when I'm weak, then am I made strong. 
those times that you are, are in, in those predicaments like an Egyptian place, God actually has his hand upon you, knows all about you. Now look at this eaglet here on this, on, in this shell, in this nest. And here's this mother, and, and she's looking down at I'm present. I'm present with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to stay right here with you. But you're going to have to break out of the shell yourself. I'm present. No predator is going to come in here and steal you. Nothing's going to harm you. I'm present. I'm watching over you. I'm by your side. I'm taking care of you. But you got to bust out of this thing yourself. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you, Harvest, you may be in a difficult position, but God has not left you. God is by your side. God is saying, you are mine, and I will take care of you. You are my portion. You are my inheritance. You are the apple of my eye. You are my people. You're the sheep of my pastor. You're the people of my hand. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm standing by. I'm watching over you. I know what the need is. I know what the situation is. And I'm present with you. And you're not going to be overflowed. You're not going to be burned up. You're not going to be consumed. I'm with you, but you got to be strong yourself. you got to have faith. you got to bust through this shell yourself. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brought them down into Egypt. They could never face what was ahead of them until they endured the mess that was around them. Does that make any sense to you? You see, God knows what's out ahead of you. And God knows whether you're able right now to bear it. And if you're not able to bear it, I promise he's going to put you in boot camp. And he's going to toughen you up. And he's going to condition you. And he's going to train you. And he's going to develop you to get you ready for what he knows is in your future. Are you listening to this pastor? God loves us too much to let us get fat and sassy. God loves us too much to let us get out of shape spiritually. Some of, come on, somebody. Oh, God is going to have us exercised under righteousness. For Abraham, the offering of Isaac made him the father of all the faithful. For Samson, the mocker and the shame made him more victorious than any other event in his life. For Joseph, the prison became an academy where he learned patience and faithfulness that prepared him to be a king. For the Hebrew children, the furnace became a place of trial where they learned boldness to declare the glory of God. For Daniel, the lion's den became a place of resting in God's care and protection. For Ruth, joining herself to a woman whose name meant bitterness, brought her love and joy. For Esther, her willingness to intercede for her people brought her to a queen's throne. Even our Christ, the Bible said, he, through his suffering, learned obedience as a son. The apostles went through that fear and disappointment of the crucifixion and the death of the Savior, but they persevered to become filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and witnessed to Jesus. 
all of those people all over the world. Peter and John were arrested, thrown in prison, only to see God make a way for their escape. Peter, sitting in the inner prison, had an angel come, wake him up and lead him out of the prison. John was banished to the Isle of Patmos where not even a blade of grass would grow. He was persecuted, but what the dejectors did not know as they rode away from Patmos was that they had dumped him right in the backyard of heaven so that the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ could be written by that apostle John. You see, what you view as persecution and trial, God sees potential for you to grow and mature and be nourished and be fed. For if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve it. I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. Brother, when you can go through it all, when you can sing in the midst of it all, I found hope that will never let me fall. Jesus heard my plea and heard my call and by me stood tall. And in him I stand complete in the midst of it all. Victory always has a song. I just came by here to tell you that God has made a way for your escape. He said with every temptation, with every trial, with every heartache, with every sorrow, with every hurtful, painful situation, he says, I've made a way. I have made a way. But with every temptation, he has made a way. So I don't know. There's a time issue involved here. I'd like to tell you he's made a way tomorrow. I'd like to tell you he's made a way in just a few more days. But I really don't know when he's made a way. The only thing is to be faithful until he makes a way. To maintain integrity until he makes a way. To keep on doing his will until he makes a way. Keep on worshiping and praising him until he makes a way. Keep coming to his house until he makes a way. Keep paying your tithes until he makes a way. Keep on singing in the praise team until he makes a way. Keep on keeping on. Keep on doing the things that you know are right. Until he makes a way. I won't give up. I won't give out. I'll keep going on until he makes a way. I'll keep trying this and trying that and trying the other until he makes a way. I'll look for the precipice. I'll look for the little crack in the shell. Until I can find that. And when I find it, I'll, I'll start digging. I said, I'll start digging. I said, I'll start digging until he makes a way. When Elisha's back was against the wall and they were about to kill him, the Bible said he came out and said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord. When Ezekiel was challenged and backed up against the wall, the Bible said God told him, Turn around and look at that wall. And he said he found a small precipice. In the wall. And the Lord said, dig in that. Dig in that. And he started digging in that precipice and behold a door. And the Lord said, step inside. When he stepped inside, he saw the wheel within a wheel. He saw the revelation of the Lord Jesus. But what wasn't there before until he started digging, if he just said, no, God, I'm too tired to dig. I've done before. 
Why would I want to dig in an old rock somewhere? That's 90% of church people. The devil's done talked you out of your blessing. Done talked you out of going on. Done talked you out of the vision. Done talked you out of the mission. Done talked you out of your blessing. Come on, somebody. And God says, dig in that, dig in that. And when he began to dig, behold, a door opened up and God said, step through it. Hey, the door that God has made for your escape may be waiting on you to get up and dig a little bit. The way of your escape may be realized when you start putting forth an effort. When you put forth an effort, God will bless you and God will do things for you. Hey, that situation you're in right now, this is not that. I said, this is not that. That mess you're in in your marriage, this is not that. That addicted to dope child of yours, that cussing and drinking and carrying on, that this is not that. That's not what God wants. That's not what God desires. That's contrary to his will. It's contrary to what God wants for you. How long has you been, it been, since you just stood and declared, Satan, the power may be cut off, the water may be cut off, and the gas tank in the car may be empty. But I'm telling you, I'm better than this. I'm better than this, and this is not going to define me. This is not going to put a label on me and declare who I am. I know who I am, and this is not it. This is not it. Oh, I'm in this, but I'm not of this. I may be going through this, but I'm not stuck here. There's going to come a time. But in the name of Jesus, I'm going to break out of here. There's coming a time in the name of Jesus. I'm going to peck my way out of this shell. There's coming a time in the name of Jesus that I'm coming out of this mess I'm in. In Jesus' name, I'm not going to dwell here. This is not permanent. It's not who I am. It's not what I do. And in Jesus' name, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's not going to hinder me. It's not going to bind me down. It's not going to hold me back. I'm coming out of here. I may be going through this right now, but I'm not staying here. I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through. This is just one event in my life. I'm done leaving this. This is temporary. I'm going to something permanent. This is, this is just now. I'm, I'm looking for something that's forever. I'm not, I'm not going to get mad and lose out with God over something that's temporary. My God, I'm headed towards something permanent. So shall they ever be with the Lord. I'm going to a place where the sun doesn't ever set. I'm going to a place where there's joy and peace and gladness evermore in the presence of our God. I will not be overcome by this. I'm going to that.
stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You need to realize that he's not left you. He's not unattached. He's not missing in action. He's right there by your side. Glory to God. When that church was in its infancy, when that church was given a commission by the Lord Jesus to go into all the world and preach the gospel, times were hard and things looked bad. They were scared, hiding behind closed doors. Fear had gripped their heart. They were threatened with their lives. You'll be killed for preaching like you preach. Don't preach anymore in this name. Don't leave this city. Don't come back anymore. That's the kind of stuff they heard. But you know what Jesus said? She said, he said, wait. Go, but wait. Wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. God said, I don't want you to go out and try to do ministry without the anointing, without the empowering of the Holy Ghost. Don't try to teach and preach unless you got the Holy Ghost. When he has come, he will lead you. He will guide you. He'll bring all things to your remembrance. Oh, he'll be a comforter to you. He'll stand by you. He'll strengthen you. He'll bless you. He'll give you courage in the time of battle. He'll give you joy in the time of sadness. He'll give you power to overcome and be the church that I want you to be. Amen. Go in the power. And on the day of Pentecost, glory to God, 120 was gathered in an upper room. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the city where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When the magistrates and the religious leaders said, What meaneth this? And what shall we do? Peter spoke up and said, This is that. Just in case you don't recognize it, this is that. Oh, you may not have heard it before, but this is that. You may have never seen it before, but this is that. Glory to God. This is that. Brother, when you see God working and you see God moving, you can stand up and raise your hands and say, praise God, this is that. Glory to God, this is that. Let me see if I can finish. Come on, Connor, if you're here to help me close. This is that. There has to be a breakthrough for you. It was the design that God would give you victory, that you could go through an experience, but that experience is not to become your lifestyle. Are you hearing this, Pastor? That eagle mother will do nothing to break that eaglet out of its shell. But that eaglet mother will do everything she can to get him out of the nest. Did you get it? She won't do anything to get him out of his shell. But she will do everything to get him out of the nest. Oh, the Bible said she stirreth up her nest. What does that mean, Pastor? It means that that eaglet had got adjusted to the comfort of the nest. 
It was great to feel mama's warm feathers all around every day. It was great for daddy to pop in and open your mouth, son, and put him some food in his mouth. Oh, boy, life was good. Life is easy. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, wasn't it wonderful? Wasn't it wonderful? The comfort. I imagine that eaglet pat his hand behind his head, kicked back in his recliner, saying, this is the life. Woo! Hadn't I got it good? I've got it made. But there came a day when the mother eaglet started pulling feathers out of that nest and getting rid of those feathers so it wouldn't be as soft as it used to be. She started pulling around and rearranging some of the sticks that she'd used for walls of the nest and pulled them out so they'd stick that eaglet every time he moved. What was she doing, Pastor? She was stirring up her nest because there was someone in her nest that needed to get out of her nest, that he would never make it if he didn't get out of her nest. He would die right there in her nest. He would never be what he was made to be. He'd never become what he was destined to become as long as he stayed in that nest. So she made it just as uncomfortable for him as she could make it. Could it be that God is making things so uncomfortable for you trying to get you to leave the nest? Could it be that that old jagged stick that sticks you every time you move? Could it be that person that's always been so friendly suddenly becomes mean and hateful? Could it be that thing you enjoyed so much became so unpleasant? Could that be God stirring up the nest? Situations that had always worked don't work anymore. And you're all the time bumping up against something that, that sticks you and causes you pain. And you say, what's going on here? And God says, I'm stirring this place up. Stirring this place up. Oh, Charles, I would to God that he'd stir us up this morning. I would to God he'd stir our nest so that we would become so uncomfortable with the status quo and so uncomfortable with the ordinary and the usual that we would say, God, we're ready to go to a new dimension. We're ready to go to another level. We're ready to get closer. We're ready to do more. We need more power. We need more faith. We need more of your grace. We need more of your touch. More of your blessing. Could it be that God is disturbing the nest because he wants us to move out? When God said to Abraham, he said, look out and see. He said, the first thing you've got to do in your mess is look out. You'll never make a move until you realize there's something better. I can look out and see there's something better for me. And I'm living here in this mess. I can break free of this mess. You see, you will never do more than you can dream. Did you hear this, Pastor? You will never do. But if you can dream it, God can do it. 
I said, if you can dream it, God can do it. The Bible said it hath not entered into the heart of man the things that God can do. God can do it. If you can dream it, if you can think it, if you can believe it, God can do it. But it first begins with you looking out and seeing it. I'm going to close with Isaiah 40. It says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You see, when you realize that God is in control of this whole thing, you're waiting on on God, waiting on that time when he makes a way. You see, God sent Joseph down there to build a nest. He sent Pharaoh to feed the nest. He sent Moses to lead them out of the nest. Come on, somebody. He sent Moses to lead them out of that nest. And this Bible said, They that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles. That mount up literally means they lower their wings down so an eaglet can climb up on the wings of the mother. I like to think that there are a lot of eagles sitting in this place. That when somebody is down, hurt, disconsolate, lost hope, that somebody will lower their wings and say, just climb right up there. Get up on my wing. I'll carry you. You missed one right there. I'll carry you. Are you, are, are you an eagle that would bear people up on your wings? Are you an eagle that would lower your wings? And you'd say, get in here. No, I'd rather sit in the nest. No, it's scary. It's scary for me to think. Do you realize how high this cliff is? Do you know that my mama built this house on a cliff hundreds of feet high. Do you know that just over the edge of this nest, it's a straight drop down? It's scary. God will lead you to some of your scariest times when He wants to do something special in your life. Sometimes it's scary to step out there on nothing. Sometimes it's scary to take the Word of God in one hand. In the other hand, you raise your hand and say, I believe God. I believe God. It's scary sometimes when you see, see the swords flashing in the distance. It's scary sometimes when you see the circumstances around you. But I need to tell you, you've got a God who invites you, just climb up on my wings. Just climb up on my wings. It's better that you soar, but if you sit, you'll never soar. If you sit in this nest, you'll never soar like you were determined to be, like you were destined to be. God made you to soar in the skies, not sit in the nest. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. God wants you to mount up this morning. If you're down, if you're depressed, if you feel like throwing in the towel and quit, don't act like you don't. I know the adversary does that to everybody. He does it to me. 
I said, he does it to me. You mean, preacher, you've been to the point sometimes you're ready to give up on us? Brother, I'm telling you, it's scary sometimes when you're led out there and look over that cliff and you see that drop. And Mama says, you'll be all right. Mama Eagle says, you'll be all right. I do this all the time. I've done this for years. You're going to do this one day, but your start is climb up on my back. Get up on my back and let's give you a view of what it's like to soar. Because if you can ever get that feeling and see that sight of soaring and feel the wind through your feathers, nothing else will satisfy you. You'll always yearn for the skies. Always yearn for the skies. Stand with me, please. So many people nowadays, did you know that every year 3,000 pastors quit ministry? 3,000 pastors turn in their credentials and quit every year. What an amazing number that is. Did you know that every year 3,500 churches close their doors? Wow. God is saying to us today, it's not my intention that you close up, shut down, resign, turn in credentials and quit. It's my intention that you soar. It's my intention that you, that you be what I determined you to be and anointed you and called you to be. It's my intention to supply every need that you've got. Climb up on my wings here. Let's go. Let's go. Don't quit. But as long as you sit in the nest, you'll never soar in the skies. God wants you by faith to become a, become a full-grown. Wait upon the Lord. Renew your strength. You know, eagles go through what they call a molt. And when they go through a molting season and their beak gets dull and their talons get dull and they can't hunt and they can't be what they ought to be, they go to a valley. And other eagles will go and hunt and will come in and drop food down to that eagle while he's going through that molting process. His beak eventually falls off, his talons. But a new beak begins to grow. They shall renew their strength. You see, the church can do without me, but I can't do without the church. Do you hear what this preacher said? That's true for everybody in this building. If I quit today, the work of God will go right on. If I quit today, then God's word will still be preached. God will raise up somebody. God will always have a people. God will always have a voice. I'm the one that needs the church. Because, Susan, when I'm down in that valley, and I've lost my sharpness, and I've become dull, and I can no longer be what I was intended to be, I hope that there will be some other eagles that'll come by and drop some food in until I get strong again and until my talons get sharp again and until my feathers grow back and until my bill gets sharp and strong again until I'm able to be what God wants me to be again 
that somebody will take me on their wing and they'll say, climb up here. I'll bear you up. I'll bear you. I'll mount you on my wings. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, God, give us that revival that we're craving. God, give us that move of the Spirit of God. Angela told me this morning when she came in, I said, I've been missing you. She said, I've been out taking my place among Pentecostal holiness movement. Been telling people about what God can do in your life. There's a Pentecost. There's a spiritual blessing for you. Hey, I'm believing that God's going to use our efforts this week. I believe God's going to touch us this week for revival. Do you believe that? For revival. For revival. For revival. For revival. For revival. Not a worked up thing. Not some calisthenics class. Not a loud get with the beat. That I want a move of God. I want something so deep and so sincere that it'll change us. Change us. Change us. Come here, Maria. Come on, darling. Maria Ortiz. Come on. God bless you. Amen. Give her a hand. Come here, girl. If you haven't met Maria, she's one of the most wonderful, joyous, peaceful, loving people that I know. Devil tried to destroy her life and destroy everything, but praise God, she's healing. I said, she's healing. I said, she's healing. She said to me, she said, Pastor, you know what has been healing me? She said, the word of God has been healing me. Comes on Wednesday night, and buddy, she just soaks it all in. She told me last Wednesday night, said, Pastor, I want to join the church. I want to be a part of a church that prays for people. Amen. And the thing that moved you about this church was what, Maria? Um, Every time I used to pass Golden Spring, and I saw the people praying, and I said, Lord, that's so wonderful that there is people that are willing to pray for others that they don't even know. And I said, I want to be part of that. Hallelujah. Can you say thank the Lord for that? I've always told you, ministry is the most important thing. If you'll do ministry, God will take care of every other need that you've got if you'll do ministry.